we do like this, we call it feeding the chickens. And so like we like, everybody has to feed everybody else's chickens and we do this thing. It is like the dumbest thing, but we just started doing it out of nowhere. I don't even know where the idea came from. And then there was one show, we didn't do it, and it was like a train wreck. It was like the like the front of house went down. It was like an absolute like it was terrible, it was a shit show. And so now we're like, well, for better or worse, we will be doing this every show for the rest of our lives. Intersection of good drinks, good music, and good times. This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. We've got another great episode for you this week. Somehow, I don't know how it is that I keep doing this, but I keep finding Canadians to talk to and it's awesome <laughs> because they they love country music they love to drink and it makes for a great show and our guest this week he's the lead vocals guitar for the james barker band it's james barker welcome in how you doing how you doing i'm i'm good how are you tonight i am doing doing great doing uh can't complain that is good that is good now it's funny my next question that I'm going to ask is it's like what I start all of them off with, but I know what your answer is going to be because uh, I think you uh, celebrated too hard uh, over the weekend, or at least too many people celebrated with you, and you're a little low on, on this, but um, what what you drinking tonight? Well, yeah, so we, we just talked about this. Is I'm all out of booze, but I will say I feel like I feel like it's not right for me to not have something to drink, and I was like, is it going to be disgusting because all I have left is tequila, and all I have to mix it with is Diet Coke, but I'm just going to go for it and grab tequila right here and just go for it. I love it. I think I accidentally, uh, you know, peer pressured you into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there's like tequila snobs out there right now being like, you can't mix that, but just everybody sees it. We'll do it right here. I don't know what this is going to taste like, but I actually do really like tequila. Honestly, I like tequila more than I like Diet Coke, so. Well, there you go. There you go. Now I can't I can't fault you because I literally with uh, another buddy of mine as part of this whole thing that we we put together do a show called Neat and Mixed where I mix Coke Zero with bourbon and we review it. So I can't I can't fault you. Yeah, I mean that actually sounds pretty good. I don't I don't mind. If, I know people are like, oh, you can't mix diet, but it's like you know what? Teach their own. You know, we're not all high class folks. <laughs> Now, so you mentioned you like tequila. Are you a uh, Blanco, Resposado, and Yeho? Where do you fall on the spectrum of uh, I like, tequilas? I like Resposado a lot. I, li I like Blanco too. This is Resposado. Um, this stuff's pretty good. I mean, it's not that. It's not fancy, but it's like pretty good for the price. I'm actually a big bourbon guy more than anything. I mean, I like tequila because I like margaritas, but mm. I love I love a good bourbon. Being a Canadian guy, I feel like we didn't get bourbon growing up, and so now being in Tennessee where it's like everywhere has like a different kind of bourbon. I, I love bourbon. Now, are you, when you say you love bourbon, are you like regular bourbon, high rye, rye, what, or are you just kind of, eh, just give me something good and I'll drink it? I, I'll do everything. Cause I also, I feel like, cause I grew up Canadian, we had lots of rye, but like rye is a different, I think it's like technically a different thing in Canada. They like, people just call whiskey rye in Canada. But I like I like a good like I really like like Bullet or Buffalo Trace. Woodford mm. would be my favorite if I'm drinking it like straight. Whereas like I like Buffalo Trace if I I think that's a really good mixer. Evan Williams really good too. There's you know I'm down to try anything. <laughs> there you go, there you go. Well, and and because you know you have songs about beer, you have songs about whiskey. I decided to go with a beer barrel bourbon from New Holland. I, I was like I had to find something that made sense, and that's the only thing I could. <laughs> there you go. I've never tried that. I'll have to try it. 
It, it's not too bad. It's not too bad. Um, you know, because they do dragon's milk beer and all that up there, and I believe they then age some of the barrel back in those barrels that they use. So it's it's kind of got a unique flavor. It's not too bad. Oh, that's awesome. It's funny. Like, I had never been to the, the Jack Daniels distillery, and like a year ago we went as a band. And like, going to somewhere like that is such like an eye-opener. You're like, man, this place is so rich in history. And it like shows you into like the process of something that is like, I feel like we take for granted, which is like Jack Daniels. It just shows you like any of these people who make alcohol. It is such an art. <laughs> an art, a science. There's a lot that goes into it. <laughs> there's a lot that goes into it to make sure we don't go blind when we drink it. <laughs> that would be the moonshine from the hills of where I'm originally from in West Virginia, now where I'm at in Kentucky, and where you are in Tennessee. You know that. that. <laughs> exactly. It's all. It's all a part of it. That's why you test it on your cousins that you don't like that much. <laughs> now, I I gotta ask this question too because I I feel like you guys have a ton of fun when you do everything. What's y'all's pre-show ritual? Do you do a drink? And a lot of people will do like a shot of Jaeger or a shot of whiskey. What, what's your pre-show ritual? Is it a drink or something else? We don't do like a shot per se. Connor is like in love with Jaeger and I had a couple bad nights on Jaeger. So I don't even let, that stuff's not even allowed in my house anymore. <laughs> but we'll, we usually like, we have a rule, no drinking until an hour before the show. We learned that early on. Um, but we'll have like a drink and we always actually do this thing where we do like this, we call it feeding the chickens. And so, like, we, like, everybody has to feed everybody else's chickens, and we do this thing. It is, like, the dumbest thing, but we just started doing it out of nowhere. I don't even know where the idea came from, and then there was one show, we didn't do it, and it was, like, a train wreck. It was, like, the, like, the front of house went down. It was, like, an absolute, like, it was terrible. It was a shit show, and so now we're, like, well, for better or worse, we will be doing this every show for the rest of our lives to make sure that doesn't happen again. And I'm guessing it's all been good? Knock on wood? Knock on wood. I mean, that being said, there's still our problems, but you just learn to blame it on other things or other people <laughs> instead of blaming it on that. <laughs> um, and speaking of having fun, um, I, I watched the clip of uh, you and Dalton at the uh, Canadian Country Music Award uh, performance. Whose idea was it for the Sharks to come out during that? And were you? did you know that beforehand? We, we knew that. So he, I don't think Dalton knew that though which we didn't realize we hadn't like flagged with him but we uh i think that was either we were on a band call with our manager and like we need ideas for the performance and we were like okay we could do this we got the graphics and stuff we had made up and i was like what if we did the sharks from the Katy perry thing and they're like and i could tell in my manager's voice he was like how am i gonna tell the directors of the show what you guys are talking about he like I could tell that he was like I have to go with a straight face and tell someone that you guys want to have shark costumes come out at the end, but but he did it and honestly I feel like it was the icing on the cake. We like to like do things kind of light, and I also feel like it was like I don't know. I think Dalton got a taste that we're uh, we're always down to have a little bit of fun <laughs> from that. Well, and that was was that the first live performance of that song too? Yeah, like I mean we've played it a bunch throughout the summer without Dalton, but it's the first time we ever got to play it together. Um, which was uh, not a bad way to start. It was it was a lot of fun. I mean, Dalton's so talented. He's such a wicked singer that uh, to have him up there doing it, to hear him do that live, man, it's like he sounds better than the record. Uh, it, it was it was pretty awesome. And you, you talk about having fun. I've seen the fun outfits that you guys, I think, did at the St. Jude's Country Cares. You make some goofy social media videos. You never, ever have a good time, right? We don't have any good times at all. It's It's... 
It's honestly, I feel like a lot of the time people get sick of us being around because we are just goofing around the whole time. We're kind of like those annoying kids in school that just keep disturbing the class everywhere we go. <laughs> well, and, and I guess that fits because you, you uh, kind of classify yourselves as a band of brothers from different mothers. Yeah, I, w- I would say that's like 100% accurate because, I mean... I mean, in the same way that brothers, like, have a lot of fun, but then also, like, occasionally get in fights, I feel like that perfectly describes our band, where you're not afraid to call someone on it if they're doing something stupid, and you're not afraid to get into it with someone, which I think is kind of, like, a key component to a band, because if you're not willing to give one of your guys the gears, then it's probably, you know, you probably shouldn't be in a band with them. Well, and... Uh, didn't you guys get tattoos when you first went down to Nashville, too, to be... I mean, I know you've got multiple tattoos, uh, but I think that some of the guys, that was their first tattoos. Is that right? Yeah, that's true. It was it was my first one, too. I got this big, dumb, black guitar. There's not even a good angle. Everyone's like, what's a good angle? There's no good angle. It looks bad from every <laughs> angle. We uh, it, was, it was like 2013 or 14, and we came down, and there used to be this tattoo shop from anyone who's been in town on 2nd Avenue, which isn't even there anymore because there was like an explosion and blew it up, so it's gone now. But it... uh. But we're like, we were all having drinks and it was, concerningly, it was open until like midnight and we went there at like 10.30 and we're like a few drinks deep and we're like, let's get tattoos and none of our tattoos are good from that night. Mine is definitely the worst because it's just like, I wasn't looking at it, I was like a little bit buzzed and I was like, I'm not going to look till it's done and then I looked and he was supposed to like draw a guitar and he just shaded it all black. Like he was supposed to, <laughs> supposed to have details and strings and... And I looked down and I was like, "Damn, no wonder it took an hour." He just shaded my whole arm black. But no, we uh, we all went down and got matching tattoos, and it was funny because we actually used to be a five-piece, and there was one dude in the band didn't get a tattoo, and he's not in the band anymore. And not because of that, but it was just like the writing was on the wall. He just, he just, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, a, a true, true. Uh, there wasn't that, that true connection there, and. Did the band really uh, get started at a summer arts camp? Is that how that kind of all got started? Yeah, it's it is so crazy. Like it, it, Connor, it was Connor and I. I was sixteen, he was fifteen, and we grew up like I don't know, like fifteen minutes from each other, but just hadn't met. Went to different high schools. Like same thing you have in the country. You grow up on the wrong side of the the county line, and you end up going to a different high school. And so we ended up going to this band camp together, and uh, you know it's like band camp it's kind of like everybody's like playing horns and stuff but I played guitar and he was there for drums and so we were clearly the kind of like guys who were like kind of rocking a little bit more <laughs> a and little different like, <laughs> a little bit different sneaking off and trying to find smokes and stuff and uh and so we're like dude we should start a, like a band together and th- that's literally how it started it was like we you know went home and uh as soon as I got my license I was driving to his place and we were rehearsing and it's been it's been chaos ever since well, and then I, I know you, you, like you said, you grew, went to a five-piece, and you're you're now a four-piece uh, band. How did the other two that are still with you come along? So it was weird. I I was playing like guitar for a bunch of different bands. I was kind of not even really doing like James Barker stuff. I was coming to Nashville since I graduated high school, 2011, and writing, and then I would come back to Canada and I would play guitar for other bands and stuff and so Connor and I would get hired like both of us he'd play drums and I'd play guitar we'd play for other people and this singer called us up to hire us um, and uh, he's like well I got this one Taylor we met because Connor and I won a battle of the bands and he ran a recording studio so we had kind of like dealt with Taylor 
And uh, and this guy's like, I'm trying to start this band. We need to play a bunch of cover gigs. And so I was like, I'll play guitar. Connie play drums. I was like, my buddy Taylor plays acoustic and does wicked harmonies. And he's like, okay, I got a buddy Bobby that I can bring along that I that I play with. And so that was when we first met Bobby. And it was like kind of the first time we played together was was in this like five piece. And instantly it was like, oh man, this is just like too much fun to not be doing this. And and honestly, like. As soon as we started, you could tell we were all like just music, country music nerds. Like we just loved it. Like you know, you probably see this, but there's people in the industry that like just are in country for whatever reason, but they're not really. They don't love the music. And we were all just dudes where we'd have like a five-hour drive and we would listen to whatever was popular at the time with country music. Like we just were country music people, and instantly it was like we like we just like playing together. And when we started playing, we played in this other band that had a different name. And then uh, the, I was like, you know what, I think I want to do be a lead singer and, and do the thing. And, and luckily the guys all kind of followed me. And we didn't even call it James Barker Band. We just started calling it, like billing it as James Barker. And people started referring to us as James Barker Band. And I think it was because they picked up on like the group thing. Because when we play and when we played back then, it's clearly not just me. It's like all of us interacting. And we have these like jam moments where Taylor will go and like Taylor will freaking rap. And Connor will do a drum solo, and, and Bobby will be doing his own thing up at the front of the stage. Like, we all have, like, it's clearly not a solo thing. And it's funny that people pick up on that and just start referring to you as that, you know? I was going to say, was there ever a thought of changing the name or just going, like, JBB or something like that? <laughs> we we talked about it. I mean, but it's crazy because as band, band names are maybe the hardest thing in the world to come up with. Because until you're popular, they all sound stupid. Like... <laughs> We even thought that with James Barker Band. We're like, well, we can't do that. It's kind of just like Zach Brown Band. We're like, that's not cool. But it's like, but as soon as people know you by anything, it's kind of like a nickname. As soon as people pin you as something, you are that for the rest of your life. And we're like, you know what? I guess that's just just what it is. Well, and it's it's working out now. It, you know, it, now it, at least it rolls off the tongue. I mean, that's a good thing, right? True. Yeah, it's not like I have some like crazy name like. James Glockenspiel band or something. <laughs> no. Although that could be fun too, but uh, more memorable, know. more memorable. True, true, but also probably butchered every time said. Um, now, did you grow? I know you said you went to the band camp and you played guitar. Did you grow up though all your life wanting to play music, or kind of pick that up teenage years? How did the music thing come about for you? No, pretty pretty much my whole life. My mom uh, is a guitar player, and, and she actually went to college for vocals. She's she was like a and in, in like a jazz singer and like a rock singer, and uh, and so like she, I, I started playing violin, fit like violin, like classical when I was like four, and then it kind of transitioned into fiddle, and then yeah, I played drums for a couple of years, and then when I was twelve, I was like I really want to write songs, and she taught me how to play "Stairway to Heaven" on the guitar, and it was kind of I was like okay, this is I was like this one feels the coolest. And so the the guitar stuck, and so uh, yeah, because it's kind of always a thing in my life. And I, my mom's had a lot of like musicians and stuff in the family. Now, any chance you ever go back to the fiddle or anything like that, just for fun? I've I've thought about it because I actually really miss playing the fiddle. But it is one of those instruments, which a lot of them in country music are. But fiddle and pedal steel, especially, are ones that like you have to spend, like your whole day every day doing those things. I remember hearing once when I was a kid that you have to play violin or fiddle for seven years before anyone will pay to see you play it. Like, that's how long it takes to get good. And I was like, I believe that because, like, guitar, you can be a hack and sound okay. Fiddle, 
if you're not good, you're bad. And if it's bad people, like it's painful to listen to the squeakiness and crappiness of it, you know? And so I think it'd be cool maybe one day to go back, but it's just, I'll have to be like retired and have nothing else to do. <laughs> well, hopefully that's a long, long time off. And you kind of touched on this kind of being a country guy that loves country music. What, who were some of your favorite artists growing up or made an impact on you? When I was, when I was really young, cause my, my, we grew up on like a, actually I grew up at an auction, a livestock auction. My dad's an auctioneer. And so we, there was like a house beside the cattle barn. And so we grew up there and I mean, there was always like a radio on and it was always country. My dad was like the, maybe the world's biggest George Strait fan. And so we, we always listened to a lot of like literally George Strait every day. I would hear George Strait and you know, the, the people who were big at that time, like Alan Jackson and that stuff in the nineties, but also like my dad was a huge, like Tom T Hall fan and Leroy Van Dyke and, and Roger Miller and a lot of those like, you know, older original country guys and the Whalen and Willie and, and freaking George Jones, all of those people. And so grew up listening to a lot of that. And then, uh, my mom was like a massive Beatles fan. And so we were, if it wasn't George Strait, it was the Beatles or the Rolling Stones. And then when I got into high school, kind of got into like Zeppelin and, and, and all of that stuff, like the heavier rock stuff. And then on into like Arctic Monkeys and like, all, you know, all stuff. So kind of listened to a little bit of everything, but country was kind of always first, which I feel like is why we, you know, I ended up being in a country band because no matter what I write, it sounds like a country song. Like when Connor and I first started playing, we were in like an angry rock band. And I was like, but my songs sound like country songs. And they always like, I was always like, it's got to have a hook. It's got to have all this. And it's like, and rock, it's like, well, you don't need to. It's like, no, but it needs to. And it's like, well, it's probably the, the George Strait impact. I mean, there's worse impacts than, than those. I think so too. I think that that's uh, that's kind of a good. I mean, that's what makes country music so freaking good. Is that the songs are so well thought out. So, well, and, and you mentioned you know kind of where you grew up and you growing up in Canada. What impact did that have on you and kind of what you you became and, and so forth? I I think that had like a, a I mean obviously a significant impact just growing up, growing up where we did in Canada especially, um, just like it was it was so rural. I feel like that had a difference. And there was like a bit of a difference in the music scene. But it's weird because you don't really notice that when you live somewhere, if the music scene's different. Like I was like, I didn't know that this person was only big in Canada. I mean, our guitar player that plays with us on the road is from Arkansas. And we'll be like, put on a song, be like, remember when this song is big? And be like, no, I've never heard of that song. And we'll be like, what? And we'll look it up and we'll be like, oh, this was only a number one in Canada, but no one's heard of it anywhere else. So I feel like little things like that impacted us. And then I also feel like maybe a bit of our like goofiness comes from us being in Canada. Like, I feel like that's like kind of a Canadian thing is that we're just like always like, kind of goofing around. Kind of like and letter and your trailer park boys. I don't know. I feel like we have a lot in common with both those groups. Well, that is quite the combination then. I, I must say. <laughs> but except no, no prison. Well, actually I shouldn't say that yet. Yeah. We have a lot in common with those people. Do you have a bubbles though? You know what? Actually, we have a mutual friend with Bubbles, and we almost had him come out to do a gig last year. So we can't have a Bubbles. We need to hire the real Bubbles. There you go. There you go. Now that would be quite a sh quite a show. Now, you know, you talk about kind of having those those big hits, you know, uh, up in Canada that might not uh, come down here all the, all the time. But for you, how much did things change when uh, Chills hit number one on the charts up there for you? It, that was like a pretty pivotal moment for us. I mean, we had really only been with the label in Canada for like 
six months and, and it kind of gone from like playing bars and like to fairs, like smaller fairs and smaller stages and cover gigs to like, but like, it was crazy. We were just all of a sudden you were there. It was like you played anywhere in the country and people knew your songs and we were like selling out venues and stuff. It's, that's the craziest thing that I don't think people realize who aren't in the industry is like when something catches, it changes like faster than you can comprehend, like within a couple of weeks. And that's what that's what chills I feel like was is it was like all of a sudden it was like holy crap this is a this is on a different level like people want to hear us people are coming to see us we're not just playing to places people are going people are coming to places to see us. I was gonna say that moment when you kind of realized that and also had all all these people singing your song back that you could almost pause and then keep singing what was that like? That I mean that was crazy I mean that still does catch me off guard especially with new songs the first time that happens because I mean as a songwriter you remember like this every time I feel like I've written a song I remember it like it's yesterday I could be like oh we had this and then this guy wrote this line and this guy wrote this line and we kind of toyed with this line and changed it three times and so then it's such a weird sensation to be like now all these people know that thing that started so small it started so small with like three guys in a room that weren't even sure that the line everybody's singing was going to be the line in the song and now thousands of people know it that's still like mind blowing to me that it's like, I don't know. It just doesn't seem even real that that's possible. That something can start so small and minuscule and like insignificant and become so big. Well, and you kind of touched on this. You guys were kind of playing dive bars, small venues, and then now you're headlining festivals, you know, performing on the CCMAs, all these different things. You know, people see maybe that part right now, but they forget about that early part. What's the journey been like? It's it's been pretty it's been pretty awesome. I mean, we were lucky that we started this thing early and so we were able to fail on smaller stages as opposed to fail on big stages. I always feel for like people who blow up super fast overnight and they their like experiences haven't caught up. You know what I mean? They're not as experienced as where they are. And so then they fail on a big stage and when you fail on a big stage everybody sees it. When you fail on a small stage, it's really easy to to move on and not let it derail your life um, and we had a lot of that with this I mean with a band especially because bands are hard bands are hard to keep together and if you don't figure out how to make it work early on you can put it off for a long time but eventually it's gonna blow up and I feel like our early years in the band were a lot of that like just figuring out how to deal with one another and how to be in a band and how to share you know share the spotlight and also how to like make sure you're taking care of each other um, and I feel like you know early on in the band, there was there was a lot of figuring that stuff out. Well, you, you figured it out, out pretty good. Like you said, um, just released a, a new EP, brand new EP, uh, ahead of our time. Uh, lots of good songs on there, some that people had heard leading up to it, and some that, you know, first time hearing it. What was it like to finally put that project out? It was, it felt so good. I mean, we, you know, figuring out stuff with new labels and stuff takes a minute, and we've been sitting on so many songs for so long, like a couple of years, and even this batch of songs, we like had originally planned to release it in June, and then we were like, oh, we gotta go out, we had like so many shows this summer, and we're like, I don't, I was like, I don't want to release this until we have everything buttoned down and have it exactly the way we want it, and so we're like, let's push it off and do it in the fall, because like, once it's out there, you can't take it back, and so, that being said, I, I would say like, we would have liked to have released it even longer ago, but I feel like that's just like impatient musician crap. And uh, it just feels good to have new music out there. I mean, we write so much. Like, I write every freaking day. 
And so to have gone like, you know, a couple of years without releasing like a, a group of songs feels crazy to me. Because like even, like I said, we were going to release this in June. So these songs were all recorded and we were just in different stages of them. And I've written like, now I've written like 20 songs since the EP came out. So like the idea of sitting and waiting on stuff kind of sucks. And so just to finally have it out there feels really good. And, and you know, obviously people got some of the, the songs early. Like I said, you know, uh, Meet Your Mama, On the Water with, with Dalton. Um, you know, one of my favorites is, is Champagne. Uh, what can folks expect on, on the EP as well when they get to hear it? I mean, it definitely has, like, the... Anyone who doesn't know JBB, like, it's got, like, the what we call the signature, like, JBB wing. We like a lot of our stuff to have, like, kind of a, a playful kind of wink to it. It needs to be kind of fun and kind of clever and maybe a little bit cheeky at times. And there's definitely a lot of that on the record. I, I just feel like, as a band, you kind of have a right to be a little bit cheeky and be a little bit, like, you know, push things and, and you know, you know, just push the boundary a little bit in a way that you can't always do like for solo acts and uh, and the album has that i feel like that really comes through not only like lyrically but also musically and what was it like having dalton on on the water it was awesome it's so crazy like we've only we'd only ever done one other duet and it was with dirks which is like still a crazy pinch me moment <laughs> but with with dalton i mean being someone who's also like kind of coming up through the ranks uh, we had on the water and we're ready to release it and, and, and met him through like a friend of a friend at, at an event in Napa. And, uh, as soon as we heard his voice, we're like, man, this guy is like going to be one of the biggest voices in country music. He is such an unbelievable singer, like just a naturally gifted, blessed person. And, uh, and we're like, we'd love to have you sing on this thing. And it's funny because like a guy like that, you hear, like if you watch his videos online, he's got crazy videos of him like really belting these emotional songs. And On the Water is not that. And so we're like, I wonder what he's going to sound on like kind of a swaggy summer song. And he sounds so cool, dude. He sounds like he just gets like how to do that like swaggy, cool, almost like talky thing and then be able to belt it in the chorus. So it's a uh, man, he's a weapon. Uh, I was going to say, it, it's an awesome song. And. Also hearing it live on, 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 like I said, at the top of the the show, you can just tell that the man is very talented. And you know, you you co-wrote, you talk about writing songs. You wrote co-wrote five of the songs. Um, you know, and that was something I think you you guys worked on during COVID and when you had a little bit of extra downtime. Why was that kind of important? And why did you kind of want to have your your hand on all the, all, all those songs? I just feel like, for me specifically, anyway, I started as a writer, and so. I've just always loved writing songs. I mean, it's been like an obsession of mine since I was a kid, since I was 12 and, and first started doing it. And so that's kind of always been what helped define the sound of the James Barker band is it's like every, every writer's got like a flavor, you know, whether it's good or bad, it just is the, what they do. It like comes out as a compilation of all the things they've listened to and all their influences. And so that's always kind of been the way it's worked for us as I, as I write songs and I feel like because that's become our sound when I write songs, they just kind of sound like James Barker band songs. I mean, I have been fortunate enough in the last couple of years to have a couple, you know, outside, like people cut outside songs and stuff. But, uh, but it's just one of those things where, like I said, I, I don't even have the opportunity to change it. It is just when I write songs, they're just going to sound like the songs I write. Now, now I got to ask, um, is Beer Me an autobiography song, biographical song? <laughs> that is. We have so many songs about drinking beer. And we've had people be like, when are you going to stop doing drink, like writing songs about drinking beer? And I'm like, I tell you when I'll stop is when I stop drinking beer, and that's going to be never. I like It's like that thing where people are like, oh, country songs are just about drinking beer and trucks. And it's like, you're damn right, because I love trucks and I love drinking beer. And Beer Me, 
Fear Me, I think, is like such a dope song. That one is so much fun to play live because it's just like, it sounds like the things a drunk dude would say. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Which I feel like it, that just feels like the country thing to do. It's just like that. That's that sounds like the dude that'd be your best friend at a party. I, I agree. I feel like almost the vast majority of your songs are like the soundtrack of this show, Bar Conversations. I mean, that's yeah. exactly what it is. One hundred percent. I mean, that's what. Well, that's what I mean. That's what the best thing about country music is you can just write about real life stuff that makes people happy and the good times people have. So, and and you've mixed in whiskey, champagne. I mean, you're branching out. Maybe tequila next. Maybe a margarita. Maybe tequila next. I'm I'm honestly stunned that we were able to get champagne. It's probably the hardest one to get into a country song because I don't know a whole lot of country folks that really drink champagne. And so, pretty proud that we were able to get that one in. That was a bit of a we we were wanting to do that for a minute. Well, it turned out turned out great, and uh, like you said, you always have fun with lyrics, whether it's kind of being cheeky, you know, kind of flipping things on its head. Why do you love doing that so much? I just feel like, and this might honestly come from the George Strait thing, but I feel like that was one of my favorite things for an artist like that, is when you hear, like, All My Exes Live in Texas, or The Fireman, or something like that, those songs are so cheeky, and it's like not taking himself too seriously. I mean, there's the times when you do, but being able to do that thing where it's almost like poking fun at yourself a little bit, I think that's such like a country dude thing to do. Like I have so many friends who are like farmers and mechanics and stuff and that like ability to just have fun and maybe poke fun at yourself a little bit is like a key feature of like working class people. Well, and, and like you said, what you kind of grew up on was those older country songs, which really did tell a story, whether it was a funny story or a serious story or whatever. And I'm guessing that's kind of your writing style is, is painting a picture and letting people kind of enjoy the ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the prime example of that is like Roger Miller, who, who has so many of those like crazy, like goofy, silly songs. And they can also write a song that'll rip your heart, you know, rip your heart out. But, uh, yeah, I, I just feel like that's like, that's kind of a bit of country music. I mean, you look at the original, you know, pictures of the grand old Opry, and those there's dudes up there wearing the freaking overalls and the, and the freaking you know straw hats and all that and you're like these guys are poking fun at themselves this is for a good time you know and now obviously you know i kind of joked that some of the songs are they you but where does your is it always an idea is it something taken from experience how does that work for you when you're you're kind of putting a song together it's it's honestly it can come from anywhere like I, I, I have like a, a, just a note in my phone that's like all the song ideas, and I would say I had probably between two and ten a day, depending on, you know, what's going on. And, uh, and it could come from a movie, it could come from a conversation with someone, it could just come from like a way that you're feeling, or a situation where you're like, I don't know what the hook is, but I know that this is something other people have felt. And so i got to find an idea that matches up with that thing, because people will find that relatable. Um, but it, it, it could come from anywhere. It really, a lot does come from like other music. Like I'll be listening to a song that makes me think about an idea that, that runs parallel with that song. And that makes me think of a lyric idea. You know what I mean? But when we write, we, I, I mean, I'm pretty big on always making sure that you have like carve out the idea before you start building the song. Um, and cause I just feel like it's so country to like, make sure that it all makes sense lyrically. It's buttoned down. It's not like pop, where it's just gonna be nonsense for three minutes, you know. And just a good beat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and I and I love songs with a good beat, but I like them a lot more when they have a good lyric on top. Absolutely, absolutely. And 
And, uh, you know, you, you talked about enjoying playing Beer Me live. Is there just, I always am curious to ask whether it's a song that you all have put out or maybe it's a song you, you all like to cover. What's like your favorite song to perform live these days or songs? I would say right now, this is going to be like a kind of a curveball one, but this has just changed in like the last two weeks. Is we, uh, we did this hometown gig like a month ago. And we always try to add in some weird covers for it and like turn them on their heads and do them totally different. And I was like, how funny and like almost ironic would it be for us to do like a Taylor Swift song and like do like a Be punk. careful. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's what we're like, this like the biggest tour out there right now. And I was like, we should do like a really sweet Taylor Swift song, but do like a punk rock version of it. And so we started doing a punk rock version of Love Story. And it is like, I would say, the biggest reaction we get in our set almost now, except for maybe the exception of Chills, where people lose it. Like, it feels like the venues are going to fall down by the time we hit that third chorus. And so that's probably my favorite right now. It is just so much fun to play that. And it's one of those things where it's like, we're only going to play it until we won't, and then we'll probably never play it again. So it's like, you kind of soak it up while you do it. I love that. I love that. That, that, is, that, is, that is just you. As we've been talking, you guys like to have fun do things a little different and you know you, you've put out the ep now you've been writing a whole a whole lot more what can folks expect the rest of the the year in 2023 and then obviously flipping the calendar into 2024 yeah i mean we'll be spending a lot of time writing and, and probably i mean i don't know this probably annoys people we like to tease it online and be like what do you think of this one what do you think of that one which is just like honestly it's just just testing the waters being like do people dig this if they do well you know you can usually tell if they don't you can usually tell and uh, so, so doing a lot of that, and then uh, between now and Christmas, mostly just like writing and recording, and then uh, top of the new year, getting back out and, and getting back on the road. So still, uh, yeah, get back out there. So we've got like two months to, to kind of chill in Nashville and then back at it. Well, and I was going to say, I know you can't talk a whole lot about 2024 because some things might be, not yet be finalized or they haven't been announced yet, but... How much fun is it for you guys to get out on the road and, and kind of do those things and share all this with everyone? Oh, we love it. I mean, we started as a live band, and we still are a live band. I mean, as much as we like love recording and, and writing and all that stuff, our roots are as a live band. That's It just feels like that's what we were like built to do, is we were built to play. And as I feel like bands are. I mean, bands are meant to play for people, and that's what we are. We're happiest when we're playing shows. Well, and, and you're, you're putting out some, some good music along the way. And, and, James, man, this has been a blast. Thank you for sharing a drink, a hard Diet Coke. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers to that. And, and, like I said, thank you for sharing a little bit about, about you and the band and all the music you've been making. Absolutely. Well, no, thank you for taking the time. And sorry I didn't have a better drink. But, honestly, for everybody who's thinking about it, this is actually quite nice with the tequila in it. I might, try to, I might start drinking this Diet Coke and tequila from now on. See, things happen when, when you have a great conversation. Exactly. Magic happens. Find more from Hops and Spirits at hopspirits.com. Thanks, everybody. Bye.